So this morning's sermon is a little bit unusual, a little bit different than is customary. This is the fall season, which is traditionally the season in this church when we talk about stewardship. Uh, And these conversations will begin in in the coming weeks as uh, information gets mailed out to the households of members and made available for others who are interested to pick up in the um, at the welcome desk or where our information is, uh, is put in the church. And so this sermon is a bit more of a testimony, more of a story about my own life uh, and, and how I've come to be a, a, a person who gives in stewardship the way I do. And I want to share a story about that experience. As we approach uh, a sermon, why don't we do so with prayer? Let us pray. Reveal, O God, your wonder to our eyes and open our hearts to Christ's love. Disperse from our minds any darkness and fill our lives with your light. Protect us, O God, from thoughts without action and guard us from words without life. Grant us wisdom to walk in your ways and open us always to the guiding of your spirit. Amen. So the story that I want to tell you is a story that was a turning point in my life. It was actually a rather small experience, but it had a rather large impact in framing my understanding of how I was a person of faith and how I lived that faith. It's a story that describes for me how I began to take hold of the life that is really life, that is the the life that that I have experienced Uh, that is God's presence in my life, the life that comes from Christ. When I think back on this experience, it seems somewhat absurd that it happened at all. It's a little bit of like a church version of a a Seinfeld episode, but nevertheless, it it happened, and so I share it today. Uh, It's a story from college. When I was in college, I attended a small church. It was a new church, a church plant, as they say, And at a little over a year old, it was about 30 people in worship on a good Sunday. It grew to over 100 during my time worshiping there. And the church used the gymnasium of a community center as its worship space, as its sanctuary. And unlike some of the other churches in town that sought out college students, they had college ministries and dedicated staff for those college students, this church was not like that. It pursued different population of people, but what they lacked in formal ministry, they made up in hospitality, and I, as a college student, really responded to that, particularly that there was always lunch after worship. And really, as I began to get to know people when I needed tools to fix something in my apartment or I needed a ride somewhere, the church was really supportive and helpful and and offered me quite a bit. And the worship service was meaningful. I appreciated it. I got something from the experience. And the pastor would occasionally ask me to read scripture in worship, which I really enjoyed doing. And I also found it strangely wonderful to get away from campus for a bit. I didn't have a car. The church was within walking distance. And so I began to attend the church regularly on Sunday mornings. And One day, I had told a couple of my friends about this church, and they asked if they could come with me. 
seemed like a good idea. Sure, why not? So we made arrangements, and I would meet them in front of their dorm, and then we would go and walk to church. And when I arrived, when Sunday morning came, I went and met them, and they had each brought somebody with them. And I thought, oh no, there's more people. So this sanctuary, this space, this place of getting away from campus, was I suddenly felt like it, was, it might get invaded. So I was kind of annoyed as I walked up to them, and, and I thought, what if... What if other people, other college students started going? I would have to share it with them. Needless to say, I was rather selfish about my church. But as we left campus, we started walking into town, uh, toward through town to get to church, and we ran into a few other students that a couple of us knew, and they said, well, where are you going? I said, well, well, we're going to church. And then one of my friends said, hey, do you want to come with us? <laughs> no. Oh, so our five people became eight people. We were this small crowd walking down the street, and we walked by a coffee shop that was a campus meeting place, and of course, someone needed a cup of coffee for the remainder of our eight-minute walk. And despite my frustration that we were, we're I'm looking at my watch going, we're, we're going to be late, guys, come on. Uh, so we, we wait, and we're loitering outside the coffee shop while they go and get their coffee. And, of course, two more classmates walk up, and, and then they joined our entourage. And then the student that grabbed the cup of coffee came back, and they didn't just bring caffeine. They also brought another person they, they found inside. So our entourage had turned into 11 people as we're walking down the street. I'm leading the way to church in a moderately bad mood because we're arriving 10 minutes late and we walk into the community center, go into the gym that is the sanctuary and worship hasn't started. And I turn to the pastor. What's going on? There were only about five people in, in the sanctuary and the pastor responding to my question, what's going on? He says, well, well, we were waiting for you and worship began. Now, you see, that this was a turning point in, in my life because it was an experience that transformed my understanding of my own faith, of, of my own motivations. You see, after the service, over that lunch that is marvelously prepared for a congregation that's usually three times our size that morning, the pastor told me that, told me that so few people had showed up, they didn't know what to do. They'd never had this experience before. And that suddenly my ability to bring this whole crowd of people into their sanctuary gave him and the worship leaders confidence. It reassured them when they doubted themselves. And he explained that this was such an extraordinary thing that I had done. And I was suddenly checking my bad mood. So I had to make a confession. <laughs> I told him what had happened. You see, I actually tried to avoid bringing all these people. I didn't really want them to come at all. I wanted to keep the church for, my for myself, but this snowballing group of college students, just it just happened. And, and then my pastor reframed the story for me. He said, oh, I see, that's right. You really didn't God do did this. But God chose to do it through you. 
See, growing up in the church, the church that I was raised in, I, I gave my time and my talent and my financial resources as practices of my faith. When I was young, it looked like mowing the lawn, the church lawn. When I got older, it was in high school, I was teaching first and second grade Sunday school. I was raised to let God work through my life and, and through the person that I was made to be, but I didn't really understand what this meant until I got older. And in college, and this experience, bringing all these students to church was really the first time in my life that I understood that, that I had something to give to the church, like meaningfully give, rather than just receiving from the church or doing something that was obligatory. This experience shaped my understanding that in a life of faith, giving and receiving happen together simultaneously. And this was when I began to understand that, that what I gave didn't always come from me, even when it was I who was making the action. I was returning to God something that God had already given me. Over time, I learned that I gratefully give from the experiences and gifts and resources that I've already been given. And on this particular occasion of this story, God gave me some friends and I shared my enthusiasm for the church. And they came on a Sunday when the church needed them the most. And God can work in marvelous and mysterious and wonderful when ways. I was a boy, I learned a simple rubric about finances. It was about giving and saving and living. You know, a person is to give 10% of, of their money to the church, of their earnings. It's a practice of the faith that the Bible calls a tithe. The Bible instructs people to give a tithe, and I was taught to do so. And I learned that the next 10% after that was that you save. You save this 10% because you might need it for the future, for your future, for education, or you might need it when an emergency happens. And the rest, I was taught, was for living expenses. You know, it seems easy looking back, but I was mostly concerned about CDs and having lunch out with friends, rather than the real costs of living. Nevertheless, this is a simple way to think about personal finance. Uh, it can be helpful, and our stewardship we know is more complicated than this, but it's a helpful starting place. Now, each year during the stewardship season, we ask people to share their stories, and these are stories about what the church means to them, about why they give and what their faith means to them. Now, I've realized that, that the pastor doesn't often share in these stories or, or share it so specifically and I've somewhat wrestled with whether or not to do so you, you'll understand in a minute these stories are important though because God gives different gifts to different people we are a diverse body of Christ but what we give always comes from the same grace from which each of us have been given by God as Jesus says in Luke in chapter 12, from everyone to whom much has been given, much will be required. And from the one who much has been entrusted, even more will be demanded. 
You see, God expects people to give appropriately from, from what they have now been given. my wife, given. Emma, and myself, we take great pleasure in our giving and in thinking it through. We discuss it at home. And we do find it hard to make tithing a practice, and, and still we try. We're not quite there, but we're slowly working our way toward it. Now, we are also pastors at two different churches. Those of you who don't know Emma may not know that she, the reason why you don't see her on Sunday mornings is uh, at about the same time at First Presbyterian Church or Royal Oak, uh, she is leading worship there. And since she's at a, a second church, we actually have two churches and we have two pledges, so then we have the decision to make of how we balance our, our giving. So each month we make a gift to one church in the amount of $425. And to the other church we make a gift of $460. And we do keep some money back because we do like to give to some organizations and, the, and our alma maters that, that we value, our colleges and seminary, shaped us uh, and and there's organizations that we want to see thrive and so we give money to them but it's much less than what we give to the church now in sharing this stewardship story so specifically I it, I felt like it was a bit of a risk we don't ask people when they do this in the church to share how much they give just why they give and so I share this today with a bit of anxiety, because on one hand, if I'm sharing too little, I wonder if I should feel ashamed for it. But on the other hand, I feel like if I'm giving too much, or it seems that way to some, I feel like I'm risking making others feel that way as well. But that's not the purpose, that's not the reason why I do that, this, that's not what stewardship is ultimately about. Stewardship really is why we give what we give, but as we as a church seek more transparency around our finances, more openness about them, I feel like one of the commitments that I can make as your pastor is starting with myself and offering that level of transparency. And I feel like we do need to be more open and I need to be more open if we expect it from our church members and from the church as an organization as well. Faithful stewardship starts with why we give and then translates ultimately into what we give. Now, for Emma and I, the church is the most important thing in our giving for a reason. And you might say, well, gosh, um, that's because you're pastors. But the reality is, is that both Emma and I have been giving like this since before we were pastors. We didn't have as much money, we didn't have as much responsibility, but as we have grown, so has our giving and our ability to be confident in it, as well as our joy and pleasure in that giving. And so we give to the church because we believe that the church has a very unique mission. Now, now, for me personally, food security and, and hunger ministries are a passion of mine. They always have been, even since I was young. I, I could make my gifts to a lot of organizations in the city that serve in similar ways to Jefferson Avenue Presbyterian Church, that serve hunger ministries in even bigger ways than the church is able to. But I, 
I still believe that the church is different in the way that it does its, its hunger ministries. Because it's not just about feeding people. It's not just about stocking pantries or donating food. The character of the church goes much deeper in those practices. The starting place, the character of the church, begins with its faith with understanding that God has given us this grace and that we are responding in the ways we do to try and be as faithful as we are called to be. So we offer love. We listen and speak hard truths when we have to. We listen for the ways that God is calling to us to respond with God's love in the world, and we try to do so. And when we give, whether it is of our relationships, our time, our finances, we do so not just because it feels good. We do because it feels good, but also because we can participate in the ways that God is sharing God's love and God's grace. God works through the church for God's purposes to be made real in the world. And this can be very powerful very, very powerful in a world that is that can sometimes feel like it's saturated with bad so news. So I can honestly say that my whole life the church has shared God's love with me. I, I moved a bunch of times as a child and everywhere I went I found that the church welcomed me. Went to three elementary schools, two middle schools, and three high schools. So I can honestly say having been in that many churches, the church has always responded with love and with welcome. So throughout my childhood, throughout my formative years, and as an adult, I've experienced the ways that church can respond to God, the ways that the church responds to strangers with hospitality, a gift that this church really has. And this church prays for people continuously. This church seeks wisdom by listening to God. This church seeks inequality that's built on knowledge that we are all every single one of us is a child of god the church unites diverse people Christ, when we gather for communion when we gather for worship as well as at our weddings our baptisms the potlucks at the community gatherings that we host this church reveals an experience of life that comes from Christ, that comes from Jesus. And it seeks to share what is most meaningful about having that experience when it tries to respond to God in the ministries that this church leads. These responses, the way the ministries of this church are ultimately thank yous offered to God, gratitudes offered to God through the actions of the church. This gratitude is shown through the many generous relationships that it keeps, that the church keeps. And God is working through this church in such extraordinary ways through people who are filled with imagination and grace and leadership and kindness and love. And so I desire, I desire that everyone can experience these gifts that this church shares. And so I give to the church so the church can be vibrant in ways that it does this, in all the ways that it does this. And I believe in the mission of the church to let all people know that they are loved by God, 
There are so few places in the world where this happens. And I believe the giving and making a pledge each year way that we can push back on the scarcity of the world the scarcity that says that there isn't enough love there isn't enough grace there isn't enough mercy there isn't enough welcome because the church has the ability to say there is and i know a place a people where you can experience those things so our stewardship season is beginning a mailing will go out in the coming weeks to members of the church. And if, if you're not a member and don't receive it, you, you can pick, will be able to pick up a, a packet of information at the welcome desk that's in the foyer Everyone's of the church. Everyone's invited to participate in the way that they're called to participate. And there are a variety of ways. And we'll explore more in the coming weeks in worship about the ways that this church is growing in grace and gratitude. Not so much in terms of the bottom line, but in terms of about how this church reaches out as a community of disciples. Because God is cultivating gifts in us that we can give to the world in order to share our experience of God's grace in our lives. May we always give thanks to God that we have such opportunities and that we can be called as God's people to share love and grace in God's world. Thanks be to God this day and always. Amen.